This is UMass Hockey on WMUA Sports. in the WMUA studio for another episode of the Hockey Hour here on 91.1 WMUA alongside Jacob Breffer, John Ruggiero. I am Andrew Golden. And guys, we got a lot to talk about about this Vermont series. Yeah, let's get right into it. UMass got the split against Vermont. They got the first win and the second one just evaded them. I don't really want to go too deep into it. I know we're really going to break it down, but ultimately splitting against Vermont, it's kind of unacceptable if you're the Minutemen right now. It it certainly feels like that's a game you have to have, four points you have to have in Hockey East, and they just ruin their chances to get four points against that Vermont team. Yeah, um, for lack of a better word, I'm outraged. I mean, this was, okay, if you're going to split a game against Vermont, do it the right way and don't blow a lead. The second game was just absolutely an atrocious showing. Um, Michael Hrabel, all four goals, or not sure if it was all four goals, but at least three of the goals that he let in should have been saved. That's uh, an interesting talking point, as we thought the goaltending was one of the strong suits here, but it failed them on Saturday. And, you know, not to go on a big tangent here, but you look back to the BU series and the Northeastern series, this is a UMass team that could have gotten so many more points than they did, and it's just really unfortunate to see. Some strong feelings over there from Mike yeah. number two with John. <laughs> and, you know, you're you're right. It's, it's you know, it, it was a tough series to split. You, you knew it was going to be a hard team to face going in. You know, you, you could you could see the the team's identity was going to be just being really tough around their own net just trying not to uh give up some goals and UMass ran into problems with that you know they they won the first game 4 to 1 um but it took until late in the second period for them to get on the board for the first time um let's go ahead and sing sing the praises of of game 1 real quick Lawton back had a 3 point game uh, goal, two assists, all on even strength. That's going to be important later. Michael Cameron, a goal and an assist. Uh, his goal was shorthanded. Mercury had a goal and assist, and that. But that's that. That's all the top line. Uh, after that game, Coach Carville asked for more out of the other forward lines, and he got it at first. You mentioned it. They came out to a two nothing lead. Uh, Sunyev scored uh, on. Uh, that was that was even strength too from. Uh, Owen Murray and Ryan Ufko. Then Luch Mellis tapped in a power play goal um, from Murray and Morrow. But then it was kind of all downhill from there. Liam Gorman took a high-sticking penalty with 19-13 of the first period. And Yoel Mata cashed in on the power play at 19-45. So quick, quick strike there. Um, and UMass got a power play going that had scored one goal previously in Vermont. Yeah, and really the oh, the final theme, the the coexisting theme of this UMass team, is just that ability to sometimes blow games when they really should have it. They go up two goals in the first period, 
It's two to one after the first, excuse me. And then they, they let up three in a row. And a lot of that, they killed off the five-minute power play, which was really big. But they just couldn't build any momentum. And a lot of it stems from the penalties. That five-minute penalty can't happen. The goaltending in Michael Robble has been really good all season. I'm not going to berate him on this show today because that would be foolish of me to do because he's been so good. But, yeah, Coach Carvel said after the game there's some goals that he wished he could have had back. And your final point, Andrew, in the lines getting shaken up a little bit, Taylor McCarr moving down to that fourth line, I'm not sure that is uh, a referendum on McCarr's play, but more like you said, they have to get more production from the bottom lines. It's okay for the bottom six guys to be four checkers and get pucks in deep and play hard, but somebody needs to step up, score goals, and that's been missing in the second, third, and fourth line. I, I asked, too, on, on Tuesday or yesterday um, if that might cause you know him to sp- – or Coach Carvel to split up the first line, and he's like, are you recommending that I take Cameron off that? And I'm like, no, 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 not at all. But, I mean, it, it could get to it could get to that point. You know, it it's been it's it's been notable uh, recently that a lot of the scoring has been pretty top heavy for UMass uh, for the, at least for this year, um, and that's probably going to come with everybody being young. Um, but that, that doesn't change the fact that they are going to need more out of the rest of the forward lines. You know, I'm not sure. You guys talked about them, uh, Carvel jumbling up the lines. I, I don't understand it. To be to be frank, I mean, it worked in game one. Whatever. Wrong sport, John. What? To be frank, that's the wrong sport. Oh. <laughs> that, that's 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 some other day. Yeah, that UMass basketball go on uh, Friday, but. Uh, you know, as I was saying, uh, just the, w- why stray away from what worked in game one? The four goals were put on the board, and then Carvel jumbles up the line. So you had Jack Musa move from right wing to left wing. You had Gorman moved around. You had McCarr all the way down to the fourth line. You had Van Tassel on the third line. Of course, the goalie change. I, I don't understand it. Obviously, you, I mean... If people are expecting every single person to score goals on this team, that's not going to happen. Uh, it seems like maybe uh, he was trying something else for Taylor McCarr, but at the end of the day, his line was producing, whether or not his numbers show it or not. And I think this whole jumbled-up lines just completely threw them off. Well, and oh, Go ahead, Jacob. Yeah, what do you well, got? Here's the thing, John. Aside from their loss, the previous two games were not good hockey. They... They didn't score a goal in the first two periods against that first game in Vermont, or, or at least towards the latter half of that second period. They didn't score in the first two periods against Northeastern. It might not be a line thing. It might just be a, a, a style of play. They're, they they didn't play good hockey against Vermont. Even though they got the win, the, the win in the first game Friday night, they still didn't play great hockey. They got themselves a good amount of goals backed by good goaltending, but it took them forever to wake up. It seems that this team is a – bit of a third period team you go back to Michigan in the second game there they broke out there they against Northeastern they were able to score in the third period against uh, Vermont they were able to break through uh, it, they're they're a late uh, in-game developing team and and that's just I guess how they're going to play and it, you can't really jumble that up in the middle of a series in my opinion well, here's, here's my biggest thing with the lines. If, if we take a look at the lines Saturday, Saturday night in their 6-2 loss against Vermont, let's break it down real quick. Their top line, Cameron Mercury and Lottenbach, they switched that out with McCarr. So 
like you said, Andrew, I think that's a pretty good line. I would leave them. Sunyev, Lushmelis, and O'Hara. If you break down those guys, Sunyev, a freshman, Lushmelis, freshman, O'Hara, sophomore. All of them, you can't ask too much out of them. And then you look at the third line. Jack Muse has been phenomenal. Has all goals on the power play. Can't seem to get through five on five. Kenny Connors is a guy who's very talented forward, just hasn't really gotten too hot this year, but he's got all the talent in the world. Nick Van Tassel on the right wing, another freshman. You can't ask too much about him. And then the fourth line, Van Roboys, Gorman, do you expect them to score? No. You got McCarr on the left wing, but the question is, who's going to get it done for them? I do like the look of that third line, though. You know, that... um, who is it? Uh, Connors. Connors, Musa, Connors yeah, Kenny Connors has, you know, needed a guy on his line, I think, that can really forecheck, can really drive the play in the offensive zone. And I think that Nick Van Tassel, he's had a really slow start considering he got injured over the offseason and is just really getting back into game rhythm and – you know, that, that injury could still be bothering him. He left Saturday's game. But I think that could be that could end up being really effective down the line because he's going to be one of those guys, big body. He can, he, he can scare defensemen into, into turning the puck over, and that could put it right on Kenny Connors' stick. So I think, I think Kenny Connors' line has needed that element for his entire career here. And I think now that he's finally got it they didn't really get a chance to really show it in the Saturday game but I think that could really take off yeah I think that's the key too. there Andrew is getting that space for Connors he's a guy that they're going to put a lot of guys on him they're not going to give him much room if you have one of those bigger guys that can really get it below the goal line that's going to open up play for Connors and I think Van Tassel's a great addition this year because you look at a guy in Van Tassel who's a freshman this year he's probably going to be here all four years hopefully one of those guys that Coach Carvel could really develop very well, who has the height, six foot four, could be a power forward. If they work on his edges, he can be a really good player in the long run. Yeah, his numbers aren't there just yet, but hopefully he'll develop into a good player. And I, I, I'll have to admit that sounds like a good line, Connors, Musa, and Van Tassel. But I, I'm not sure we'll see it against Providence. And but uh, one last quick note on the lines. I don't understand Makar on the fourth line. If Carville doesn't un- like the way he's playing, bench him. There's no point in ruining the, the or for lack of better word, ruining the flow of Van Raboys, Gorman, and uh, you know whoever has been on the pairing with them the whole season. Makar doesn't fit. I mean, he is a gritty guy, and he's going to make some hits, but he doesn't really fit to their style of play, and, and he needs some goal scorers on his line not hard-nosed grinders I'm gonna go back to what Jacob said earlier and that in saying that I don't think that I'm, I'm agreeing with you and that I don't think that McCarr being on that line is an indictment of McCarr's play um, I think that's just a product of trying to mix things up and obviously he brings he brings some speed to that line you sometimes forget about McCarr's end-to-end speed north-south speed and you know that that's an element that could have been missing on that line, and it it looked good. That that line looked good on Saturday. They just they they just couldn't really cash in. I think that was yeah one of their better lines of the games. It'll be interesting to see if they stick with it coming up against Providence. But he told us Andrew after the game that he really enjoyed that line. It was mostly that big bad bruiser line that they've been looking for and sending McCarr down there, being that he's six three. And the, the the question is for that line is if they can produce if he sticks with McCarr on that line. 
He's got Van Roboys and Gorman on his right. Not a lot of production you're going to get out of them, but he still has an opportunity to score. That's just my thing. If, you, if you're looking for Makar to get numbers on the board, that's not the line that he's going to do it with. And maybe I'm overreacting a little bit here, but it just overall a, a tough showing this weekend going into a, you know, a number five Providence team. I don't think it's the time to experiment. You got to work with what has worked. And it seems that's experimenting it's not it's not the right time to do well, that. well john to your point mccarr led the team in goals last year with 10 so i do see what you're saying putting that guy your leading goal scorer last year on the fourth line i do see how it could impact the team yeah in, in a big way and obviously he hasn't impacted the team just yet but he's not going to do it there and in terms of sticking with what's worked that first that first line quote unquote uh has been together for a couple weeks now and Mercury and Lautenbach have been uh, on a line together the whole year, and that's obviously been working. So I I, I can see that he's sticking to that. Obvi- also, uh, Musa on the power play, we mentioned that he's got all of his goals in the power play. That's He's sticking to that. You know, he, that the power play unit has been kind of the same more, more over a year uh, to, for, for the whole year. So I, I do think he is sticking with what's working, and I think he's... Uh, mixing up the rest, so I I, I do I do ag- agree uh, with mixing up the lines because I don't think it's much of an experiment, uh, and you know when when stuff isn't working you gotta change it um, to see what does work, especially going into a team that Coach Carvel said it yesterday it's gonna be the best team they've played all year so he, he, you gotta find something that that works and I think that just I think that's just showing a level of preparedness. Yeah, and, and that, I think, is the key against the best team that they're going to play all year. I really think if we look at the lines, like we said, it has to come from that second and third line. I don't know. I know, John, you're not a big fan of the fourth line, but I think the second and third lines really have to elevate their play. Absolutely. Because the first line's been tremendous. They're they're playing really quick hockey. They're all in sync. They have a lot of points to their names. The fourth line is that identity line chippy but the second and third they're still trying to figure it out and I wouldn't trash them too much because remember they're still young players they're still trying to figure it out but right now with what are we over 10 games into the season exactly that they they got to get it going soon yeah and I mean at the end of the day coach Carvel knows exactly what he's doing and he's the guy that is going to lead this team to some wins and he has in the past and I fully trust him but you know some I mean what what do I know? I'm just a, a kid on a radio show. But, you know, at the end of the day, in my opinion, some questionable decisions more or less. But in the greater scheme of things, uh, th- this just reminds me a lot of last year. And I hate to say it because we, we said a couple weeks ago, oh, we don't think we're going to go down the well, – we as in uh, the hockey team, UMass, are going to go down the path of, you know uh, – just absolutely getting trashed upon in hockey's play and that seems to be exactly what's happening so far and I, I don't know if it's I don't think it's time to panic just yet but I you know I was struggling to think about this loss afterward just a mix of emotions coming and I, I don't I'm not sure where we go from here especially if you know Providence is, is coming up next I it's it's going to be tough now I'm definitely a glass half full guy John so so pardon me for continuing to disagree with you on this (laughs) on this but you know I I just I just look at the schedule and I look at last year's schedule and I just say I just think that the quality of the teams that they've faced has been so much better 
And, I mean, there's, there's really no weak link in Hockey East. You know, Vermont earlier in the season split a series with Providence more or less. Obviously, they've only lost one game in regulation on the season, but they tied they tied Providence earlier in the year uh, on October 28th or 9th. One one of those two games of the series. So, I mean, there's just no weak links in this conference. And I think that we're seeing that firsthand. You know, just at the end of the day, to think that this team, who is 6-3-1, could be 8-2 and two right now, is just very frustrating. And I think at the end of the day, the UMass is going to be all right. And they're going to play the game that they play. And, and Coach Carl is going to lead them to some more wins this season. But just I, I wonder how the team reacts to this. If they, They've got to be frustrated after what happened on Saturday, as we all are. Um, but does that doubt their spirits or does that make them hungrier and, you know, have the drive to beat a team like Providence? Yeah, I think I really think the most important thing to keep in mind, though, I know we're pretty down and. The most important thing is that this is just the ebbs and flow of a hockey season. I had a hockey coach one time that said you're going to win some games that you should have lost and lose some that you should have won. That's true in college hockey. It's true in the NHL. They should have swept Vermont. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, it's not just UMass that's going to drop a few that they should have won. Every team in hockey East is going to do it. And this is just the cadence of college hockey. It's still a young team. Don't forget that. They still have a lot of freshmen on this roster. They're still trying to build some chemistry. But now this is where you really lean on Coach Carvel to get the group together. Don't lose them and start stacking some momentum. And they've got a great opportunity to do that in these two games against a ranked Providence team. Absolutely. And with what you guys have been talking about, about, you know, what could be going wrong with this team, not necessarily going wrong, but what what the team could be improving on, I'm surprised that nobody mentioned the clunker Michael Hrabble had on Saturday. Well, I I said it at the beginning of the show, and that's a real concern. I think that perhaps his – obviously Brady started the first game. I don't know if that's a testament to Hrabble's flow is just completely thrown off with having to start the second game of the series, and he's not used to that, uh, obviously. But, well, I don't know. He he started the second game against Michigan, did pretty well, so – I, I don't know. I, we'll have to see what happens. I, I genuinely could not predict who Carvel goes with this weekend in that. Yeah, I think that's difficult. I'm not going to put too much weight into Robble. I think he's been really good all season, like I said. One game doesn't define you as a goaltender. No. I, I know it's easy to look at that game and be like, he let a few ones in. And, and the other thing, the silver lining, is the defense did pretty good. I don't think there was anything that you really throw it on the defense for. I think it's just Robble has to be a little bit better in that game. He didn't play that well. He's going to have a good game in the future, hopefully. I said it on the broadcast, Jacob. You and I were on the broadcast on Saturday. I had said it that, that that's the first time he hasn't really looked solid in net. I think it was the first time that he truly let up any goals that he probably would want back. And he let up three of them in a row in not too much time at all. And I think I think that's just pretty I think that's the reason why he was pulled. I I think you know, you, you you can't you can't give the guy the the Patrick Waugh treatment when he's you know 18 years old. He's an 05. He's one of the youngest goalies in college hockey. He's not even supposed to be here, you know, until next season. So I I think I think that you know Coach Carvel pulled him at the right time, and 
I th I think I don't think that means that he doesn't trust him. I I do still trust in Hrabble. I'm sure Coach Carvel does as well, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in net this weekend. Both games. We'll see. That's that's my concern, Andrew, because Brady played really well in the first game it, against. Well, say what you want about Vermont, they're not that great, but that they beat UMass and Brady only let them have one goal on on uh, the, during the game. But if you start, I think Rabble should get the first game, but uh, we'll see how it goes after that. Maybe you throw in Brady, how well it goes or not. But it's just a tough situation. I, I think Prowl's played great so far this year. I mean, you just look at the stats, 274 goals against the average. Obviously, that you know went up after the Vermont uh, game, and you know, he's got an above 900 save percentage. He's played really well for a, a young freshman. But you just got to wonder what this could do to his flow. Do you think that he's going to need to get a heavy workload in order to, in order to you know, stay afloat? in this season i i don't know what we'll we'll have to see i i mean you you look at just what happened uh, against vermont i the only way i could explain him having a poor game is because he didn't start the first game and but that's obviously jumping to conclusions and you know it could have just been a bad game because as you said jacob you can't judge a goalie if they have one bad game but I genuinely do not know, and I'm lucky that I do not have to make that decision, you know, going into Providence, who's going to start. I think the answer, for me at least, would be a lot easier if I knew his personality and, and him personally, because sometimes you can tell if a goaltender, he had a bad game, and he wants to get right back into the net. Something tells me Robble definitely wants to get back in the net and show Coach Carvel and team what he's made of, and I think there's good indication that he'll do that. We'll see if Coach Carvel... Well, we know it's not Coach Carvel. The goaltending coach will give him the nod. But it's interesting to see if he does start, what kind of performance we see out of him. Is he going to give us that everything he's got? And, and you could really see out there he's confident in, in, confident in between the pipes. Or is it going to be more of like a, a Cole Brady, a quiet, laid-back, and, and sneaky good game? We'll see. I did see a little bit of him in practice, obviously. Well, you guys don't know this, but he, it ended early. Uh Early meaning it ended pretty much right at four, uh, right at the time it's supposed to end on the schedule. But you know he Harbel looked normal. He he looked like he usually does. He he was he was chatting with his teammates. You know he 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 didn't look down on himself. And so I I'm I I think that's a good sign. Yeah, if just, that's just throwing that out there. If that's the case, I think it's Harbel, no doubt. He'll have himself a, a good game. The defense gonna have to play well in front of him. I'm not worried at all. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I I worry a lot. I, the great Scotty Morrow told me that I always worry, and he he's, he's right. He's right. Yeah. Well, John, but, sorry, you finish. No, please. To counter, remember Cole Brady against Michigan? He had a terrible performance, yeah. and he still came back and and played well. Brady did not play that, well. That was weeks ago, though. I mean, yeah, and he and he bounced back just a few games later. Granted, it was a week or two, I think, his next start was. But I, I don't think you should worry, as Scotty says. I, I think you should really <laughs> let this one go. It, it's what goalies do. They're used to this. They're used, there's only two ways to cut it. You're a winner or you're a loser. Robble didn't have a great game. The goalie behind him had a good game the next one. He's got to 
jump up, dust himself off, dust the pads off, get back in between the pipes, and have himself a good game. And to speak more to the fight of this team, I think they'll bounce back, and I, I they, they showed that against Michigan, not to you know, keep talking about that, but they want to win, and they have shown the fight to do that, wh- whoever's in net, and I think they can put up a good fight against Providence. And it's against the rankings-wise the best team they will have played all year to this point, so I'm sure there will be a little bit more fight than there normally is. We will preview that just in, in just a moment. We have to take a quick break, um, but we will come back from that break to preview this Providence series and this team that's just been unstoppable for the most part in, this, in the Hockey East and in all of NCAA hockey. So we'll be back here in just a moment on 91.1 WMUA. I have a message for the residents of UMass Amherst. I have a message for the residents of UMass Amherst. Through trial and error, through hypotheses and graphs. Through trial and error, through hypotheses and graphs. I found and concluded that licking a chilled pole. I found and concluded that licking a chilled pole will, in fact, end with the fixture of your tongue to the object. Will, in fact, end with the fixture of your tongue to the object. Please keep this in mind next time a craving for a refreshing metal beam. Keep this in mind next time the craving for a refreshing metal beam strikes. Stuck. Someone get a doctor now! Oh, uh, my friend's a doctor! Uh, Scott, come here! Hmm. This is a very common case. And actually quite solvable. However, there is some risk you may lose taste buds to your pancake region of your tongue. <laughs> Proceed. UMass Hockey on WMUA Sports. And we are back here on 91.1 WMUA. Like I said, we got a lot to talk about against this with this Providence team. Uh, this team that has not lost a game since October 20, or sorry, October 10th uh, at Michigan, at Yoast. So uh, they're working on a three-game win streak and a nine-game point streak dating back to then. So, I mean, this is, a, this is a really hot team coming in, too. And it doesn't help that UMass has to go to Providence tomorrow night at Schneider Arena. Is it Schneider? Yes. Schneider Arena, so that's going to be a good one. But if, if you don't mind, Andrew, if I could break down the scoring from Providence the past couple of games. They started off the season – with that split against Michigan, then they went to Stonehill, defeated them 7-1. They beat the number two ranked Denver team 4-3. to That was a big one. RPI, they took care of 4-2. to And then we saw with Vermont, they beat them 4-1 to and tied and lost in the shootout. They tied New Hampshire, which was a rising team at the time on November 3rd, and they still are. They won the next day against New Hampshire 2-0. And then they won the following two games against Northeastern this past weekend. So, yeah. Like you said, a Providence team that is really on a bender right now. I believe they're ranked fifth in the nation. Certainly a team that UMass is going to have to come in and play really good defense because they've got a really good thing going for them over in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, you just to highlight some players. Their goaltender, Phil Svedback, has been one of the best in the conference. He's got a 174 goals against average and 923 save percentage. He started all 11 games for 
the Friars and eight one and two record. He's played very well and you know, he he was a freshman last year and he was kind of shaky, but he's come back this year, the Bruins draft pick, and he's played great so far. Yeah, we will get to the goaltending. Uh, we'll d- dive in depth just a bit more into that later, but uh, I wanted to circle back towards uh, Providence's schedule and looking at it, it reminded me of UMass's a bit. You you mentioned that uh, John earlier that UMass could be eight and two. Uh, I think Providence's schedule and their results show what UMass could be at this point. Uh, they have the split with Michigan. They have uh, a win and a tie with Vermont. It's a split-ish. Uh, UVM ended up taking the shootout one to nothing. Uh, they had the win and the tie uh, at UNH. Sorry, with, uh, against UNH. That was a home-and-home. Home. Uh, and they had the OT win at home versus Northeastern. Obviously, that was a two-game series, and they took the second game rather easily. Um, that makes you wonder what UMass could have done if that series with Northeastern was two two games. Um, but a lot of those a lot of those games that I highlighted are pretty similar to how UMass's schedule has gone. And barring a barring a, a clunker versus Vermont, or you know barring a, a bad showing versus Michigan, you're right, John. I think UMass could have a similar record to what Providence has right now, and they could be, you know, as high in the rankings, if not for those. Yeah, you you just look at their schedule. They've played so many, a a lot of the same teams that UMass has played, and they've had similar outcomes. You know, they uh, won a game against Michigan, lost a game. They won against Vermont, and then technically lost in in the shootout. Um, You know, they played UNH. They they lost, or they, well, they won in the shoot against them, but they tied, and they also won. Um, Northeastern was able to take them to overtime, just how Northeastern was able to take UMass to overtime. So a lot of similarities here. Um, even, you know, you look at, oh, UMass could be 8-2. and two. Well, Providence is just that at 8-1-2. Uh, and, and, you know, th- this is a very good team. And uh, I think, you know, UMass is, could, could be up to the level that they are if, you know they didn't drop a couple but uh, i think you know obviously umass number 15 providence number five i don't think that'll really tell how close this matchup could be and it's a series that we mentioned last week special teams could be a big factor umass got vermont's power play up and going uh after they were ice cold to start the year um this this special teams for Providence has been on point recently. They have not allowed a goal at five on five since uh, since the, uh, no, October twenty eighth versus Vermont. That's two hundred fifty eight minutes of game time, and they haven't allowed a five v five goal in their last four games. So special teams is going to be really important for UMass as they the last few goals that uh, Vermont's given up have or sorry. Uh, Providence has given up have been on either the penalty kill or on the power play as they had a uh, shorthanded goal by a former teammate of mine Morgan Winters in the UNH series yeah that really really places an importance on the minimum being good on the power play which we know they have been a lot of that is because of Musa but 
the power play is something that the Minutemen can really rely on. But aside from that, like you said, they're really good five on five, which is a place that I'm not going to say UMass struggled in, but it's something that they certainly have to be really good at if they want to compete against a really solid Providence team. Yeah, it, it seems that they've ran into a lot of penalty trouble. They have a total of uh, six, 60 penalties taken on the year compared to UMass, who has, I believe it was 49. Yes, 49. So uh, they have played one more game than UMass has, but they have 11 more penalties, and we thought UMass was running into penalty trouble because they were, but it seems the Friars are as well. So you talk about, oh, well, they haven't allowed a goal in five-on-five five play. That may be a product of taking a lot of penalties. Yes, but, you know, obviously you mentioned the discipline problems for Providence, you know, and the power play being really important. But I I did say earlier that we'd get back to Lawton backs three points all on even strength in the Friday game versus Vermont. That top line, they, they're not, well, Mercury's on the power play, but, you know, Lawton back, Michael Cameron, those guys aren't getting special teams points. Those those guys are are leading the charge in five v five play, and so I think we're really going. We we mentioned, you know, needing more out of the out of the other few other three forward lines or, or so, but I think UMass could really lean on this top line because they're re- they've really been driving the play of five v five, and if they need if they want to break through five on five against a team that hasn't allowed a five-on-five goal in four games and change, you know, these guys are really going to need to show up. Yeah, and I really like the speed out of the Minutemen. I think that could be a factor that can go against the Providence, who's also a pretty quick team. But I think the key for the Minutemen is just getting a rounds fed back. He's been so good this year. He had a pretty solid year last year. The last time these two played was a 3-2 victory in Providence last year, I believe, in February. But the key is getting around Svedback. He's so talented. He's a tall goaltender, six foot three from Sweden. It's going to take a lot. He has all the confidence in the world. He's up there in save percentage and goals against average in all of college hockey. That's the big difficulty. And I think, Andrew, you're right. That first line has a really good shot against doing that. Andrew, you talked about this five on five play and how that, you know, the, that top line really only scores in five on five. And that may be a struggle, but. As I highlighted, Providence takes a lot of penalties, and so UMass is probably going to be on the power play. And not to look at a or highlight a player that of UMass that I think needs to step up, but Jack Musa, all three of his goals are on the power play this year. He hasn't scored in three games, and that coming well, his last goal coming against the second game against Boston University. So he's a guy on the power play that needs to probably break through you know scott morrow has taken the lead in points at 13 now for umass and you know that that power play is is a big thing if they're gonna you know have the opportunities they need to capitalize you certainly think that 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 power play is going to get a lot of opportunities this weekend especially considering providence's discipline issues uh that gives an opportunity for guys like jack musa like you said to uh to get off the schneid a little bit but uh, I'm I'm really looking forward for the this weekend to see really what we can see out of Idar Sunyev. Um, he's he's been pretty hot recently. Uh, he scored a goal on Saturday, um, but I don't I don't think we've seen his best yet. I don't think we've seen him at his creative best. 
and you know getting as much opportunity as I believe he will and they and they UMass as well on the power play I think that's really going to give him a chance to show off his creativity um, he could pot some but I'm I'm really looking forward to see see how he's going to dish it off this weekend yeah I think that's a great point and if I were to say anything to Sunyev, I don't know what I would tell him other than play your game and, and be confident in your game because I think that's the key for him is just trusting himself, getting himself in open space. And a lot of that is that first-year freshman thing. But he has the capability to do it. He has the capacity to put the back the puck in the back of the net. And he's just, he's just all around a really good player. Will we see it soon? I hope so because he has everything there for him to go out and score a lot of goals. It's going to come with time as his confidence improves. It seems we'll need a lot out of the freshmen this weekend. Uh, and that's flip-flop from last year. You know, you, you look at, oh, the juniors and the seniors weren't scoring, but now you look at, like, Lucas Mercury and Ryan Lottenbach, even Scott Morrow, all at the top of the score sheet besides Jack Musa, of course. But, yeah, guys like Musa, Sunyev, Lushmelis, they're going to have to have big games if UMass wants any chance at being a very good Providence team. And I think a guy that could benefit from you know the the creativity of Sunyev, especially on the power play, is Kenny Connors, who's up in that uh, left dot one timer spot. So he he could get a chance to really break out here this weekend. Yeah, for sure. I think Connors another guy that, especially with that shot, we've seen him do it a few times. I'd love to see him shoot the puck even more because his wrist shot, if he sees any twine, he's gonna rip it and he's gonna hit it. And I think we'll see that this weekend, hopefully at least. Any other any other players that you guys are are circling? Uh, for me, not so much on the UMass side, but I know there's some guys on Providence that you really have to watch out for. The freshman Tanner Adams, 11 points in 11 games. He's actually uh, a few towns over from me. Played against my rival growing up in in Northport Huntington for the AAA Junior Royals. Really good player, committed in I believe he was like eighth grade. It sent the Long Island hockey community going nuts, but. Talented player, 11 points in 11 games. Yaroslav, I believe it's Himalash. Himalash. Himalash, that's wow. what I thought. The Rangers prospect. <laughs> 11, I remember that from last year. 11 yep. points in 11 Good games. You. Thank you. And then Chase Yoder, another guy. Nick Poisson, I thought he was a BC transfer. I could be wrong. Uh, and I think you are I think you might be thinking of his brother, uh, Ben Poisson, that's who it. is a grad student at oh. Maine. Okay, that's it. Makes sense then. But, yeah, a loaded Providence team. They've always been really good on the dot, well-coached as well. The key for the Minutemen, I said it before, Providence has all the momentum. They have to take the momentum out of Schneider Arena right off the bat, something that they've struggled in doing because that arena holds around 5,000 people. It gets rocking. You can't let the home crowd get into it early. I wish good luck to you, Andrew, and Devin having to call this game on Saturday with all these, you know, foreign Providence names. But you talked about it, Jacob. This is a little bit of a change for the Minutemen and even Providence. They're playing on Thursday night, which is an interesting development there. And that could even talk about, oh, well, routines and stuff. That could throw off a team just playing on a different night when they're not, you know, uh, accustomed to it. So... Uh, obviously, the, that's tomorrow. I'm all jumbled up with it. I'm thinking they're playing Friday. They're playing tomorrow night. So, yeah, right. Uh, you said it, Jacob. Getting out with a good start. Schneider Arena, very essential. I said it earlier in the show. Seems like UMass is a bit of a third-period team. I don't think that's going to work against Providence. And I, I talked about, oh, not straying away from what the, the Minutemen are good at, but 
they need to have a good start right out of the gate. I think the uh, I think the Bruins are going to have a vested interest in this game, uh, with Riley Duran and Phillips Fedback on the Providence side, and obviously Don Lichmelis on the UMass side. But I mean Riley Duran has been a little bit cold lately. Uh, one goal in his last six or so games. Um, and I think he is a good candidate to break out of that schneid. Um, so uh, Bruins, obviously, are going to have pretty, pretty probably watching this game pretty closely, um, but I think, I think uh, you gotta, you got to circle him too because, you know, you, you, know, you know he's got the talent. You know he, he's put up the points in the past. He's, always, he's, he's been a name that has been one to watch for, for a while for Providence, and I think he could break out uh, this the, in this weekend. What about old friend Cal Kifuke? I mean, he's hurt. Oh, well. <laughs> shot down. Damn. Well, that would that's that's sad to see because I think I wonder how the Mullins crowd would have responded to him coming back. But yeah, it it it's it's definitely a shame that they're that he's not going to play. Um, he broke his finger a, f- a few weeks ago, and he I they they're not expecting him to play this weekend. But that would have been an interesting uh, thing to see. Well, that's my bad. But <laughs> oh, I did the same thing yesterday. Yeah, it's all right. I, I, I looked like a fool <laughs> at the uh, at the car presser. Providence, they didn't they didn't lose a ton of guys too. They're bringing a lot of older guys back, but they did lose Brett Berard, the Rangers prospect. He had 24 points in 36 games last year. He was at the top of the score sheet. I know he decimated the minimum. I think he had he had the game winner home here in the overtime at the Mullen Center last year. But his brother Brady Burrard's on the team, not as highly touted of a player, but still runs in the family. I think his dad played ho- college hockey too as well. So there, there's some brothers on that team, and it's, it's a team to definitely watch out for. Any predictions, guys? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I – Gosh, that's everything a tough was th- one. you just threw everything out the window yeah, after last week. <laughs> John, you need to go on vacation. Man. I do. You look I, I'm I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving next weekend. Trust or not next week. Trust me. But oh, predictions. I'd have to say that you know what UMass they're going to win the first game. They're they're going to come out firing. They are they're very upset about what happened against Vermont, and they are not going to let it happen against Providence. They are going to come out firing, and they are going to win the first game by a final score of 4-1. to one. Second game might be a little bit more difficult. Let's say it goes to overtime, and let's say it doesn't end in overtime. It goes to a shootout where Providence wins there. Yeah, I, I always like to keep the sweep on the table. I did it against BU. I thought that was possible. I don't think the sweep is possible here just because it's a home-and-home. Home. It's going to be really difficult. I do like your prediction, though, John, of UMass coming out hot over in Providence. I think it's going to be the first game is going to be very defensive as well as the second. I'm going to go 3-2, excuse me, 2-1 to one UMass win in that first one, and I think that they drop the second one at home, being that it's not going to be a lot of people on campus, being that it's a Saturday We'll go three to two, game two loss. Schneider is a really tough barn to play in. UMass has had their issues, um, but I do think they're going to show up. I think they're going to come up firing. Um, that said, I I think they're going to take that one into a overtime, maybe shootout. Um, I would not be shocked if uh, UMass 
loses both games. I would not be shocked if they lose if they win both games. You know, it really could be anywhere in between. But I think I think they're gonna go to the shootout both times. I think I think we got two ties this weekend. It's gonna be action packed. And the other question I have for you, Andrew, is I believe Providence's NHL sized arena, which we know differs yes. from the Mullen Center a little bit. I just want to ask you, do you think that's something that UMass should pivot to? They should go to a small a less wide arena? See, I, I'm in I'm in favor of that. I I think that having a greater than NHL size uh sheets over here is kinda dumb. Um, I only worry about what that does to the Mullen Center because, like, you, you saw uh, what it did in Minnesota, and it made the, the first row, like, five feet from the boards, you know. So I, I, I'm just not really sure how good that is for the fans, uh, for a, a, an arena that is already designed to handle uh, a, a larger-than-NHL sheet for it to suddenly downsize because, I mean, you you, you got to screw up the whole seating bowl area. So, you know, it that that's what I worry about. But in, in terms of in terms of gameplay, it's tough because a lot of arenas in college hockey aren't regulation size. Uh, a lot of them are bigger than regulation size. Lawler's smaller than regulation size. So I'd, I'd in the end, I I don't think it matters all that much, um, but it would be it would be nice to, you know, get for for UMass to get them to start playing on smaller sheets of ice with you know to to really really enforce that you know quick decision making. I think that's the biggest part of it yeah. is that it it makes you make decisions quicker. You don't have much much room to work with, and I think that's going to be important late, later on. Yeah, I've always wondered that, and I guess that's a question I'm going to have to ask around for the players if they enjoy playing on the players that play on the big sheet. When they go to the smaller sheet, it's a little bit quicker, but if Providence, when Providence comes to UMass, they might be a little bit more tired out. And I know these guys are pristine athletes and their their bodies are well-regulated, but it, it definitely has a little bit of a difference in style play to it. Just one of my questions for you, and I appreciate you answering that. John, you want to offer your thoughts on that? Or I mean, if, are, are you in vacation mode already? <laughs> John's clocked out. If, if you got the blueprints, Jacob, and you want to present them to athletic director uh, Ryan Bamford, uh, I'm sure he'd be on board, and we could make that happen. Does John does, Bam- does Bamford make decisions in that though? I don't know if he does. I have no idea, and I'm not sure. Not to shoot you down, Jacob. I'm not sure the players <laughs> care either, to be honest. But I mean, hockey's hockey, right? And I hope we see you some good games this weekend uh, or you know towards the end of the week uh, Thursday game but regardless of how s- big the size of the ice is you know hockey's going to be played and let's have some fun if you build it they'll come that's my final word uh, to you okay. John there you go it's a great way to end it <laughs> appreciate you guys for for listening unfortunately we can't bring you the broadcast tomorrow uh you should listen to the women's basketball game that's going to be conflicting with it instead. If not, you know, obviously the hockey game is going to be on ESPN+. And, you know, when we come back on Saturday, go ahead and listen to me and Devin Dobeck on the call here on 91.1 WMUA. 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. It's going to be an early one. Get, get your coffee, everybody. <laughs> if I don't see you guys, have a healthy and happy Thanksgiving. Yes. That as well. Happy holidays. And to all a good night.